Vegas Nation, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. Who knows, maybe Hard Knocks will come and cover that. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? What I think it does, it just it opens up the world to, to show us who we really are. AB is a character, Derek Carr is a character, so I just think it's, it's exciting for people to see what type of team we have. The reason you go away to training camp is to get away from all the distractions. Hard Knocks is an intrusion. It was handed to us, so it's up to us to deal with it. Hey everyone, it's Heidi Fang here, along with our Raiders beat writer, Michael Gelkin, and also joining us today, a veteran of the NFL and your Oakland Raiders, Stan Rout, who is a wonderful guest that we have here today with the show. And this is a special edition of the Vegas Nation podcast because we have the first episode of Hard Knocks in the books. And I'm holding down things here in Las Vegas. Michael's on the ground in Napa, where the Raiders are holding their training camps, also known as HBO Hard Knocks Central. So we're going to talk about all things that you've seen on the show. And don't forget, you can find this podcast on ReviewJournal.com slash podcast, the Vegas Nation app, VegasNation.com, and anywhere you find your podcast, make sure to drop us a comment. Let us know what you think about the show. And I'm getting so much Twitter reaction right now about the first episode of Hard Knocks. So Stan, since you are new here to the show, I've got to ask you as a player, as someone who's been through training camp, as someone who started their career with the Raiders, what did you think about this episode and what it gave to the world to see about the Oakland Raiders? Mm, well, first off, I have to say that it definitely brings back memory seeing uh, the Napa Valley Marriott, the practice field, um, just the locker room inside of the hotel, all of the meeting rooms, things like that. It definitely brings a nostalgic feeling. Um, and just from watching the first episode, I honestly feel like HBO was a little bit mild with exactly peeling back all the layers and actually showing exactly how the sausage is really made. But I'm pretty sure that they'll probably ramp it up as, uh, the, as, as the other episodes uh, get on into the season. And I think that – I think it was a pretty good one uh, to start off showing, obviously, um, Holly uh, getting, uh, getting released for simply just not showing up to treatment on time or just simply skipping it all together and not giving the illusion that he wants it as uh, – as Coach John Gruden um, alluded to, I think that uh, for the most part, that's something that a lot of fans may not truly see. Uh, you go to see uh, Jonathan Abram, the uh, first-round pick out of Mississippi State, how vibrant and how boisterous he is. And as you can see, that he's out there in shell pads, thudding people up, actually being physical. And basically, John Gruden is telling him, hey, let's go ahead and dial it back. Uh, we still got to take care of each other because we're still a team. This is the NFL. This isn't college. So you got to remember that you got to know how to practice when you're a professional. And as you get a little bit older, as, jo as Jonathan Abram is going to see as he gets more years into this league, that you want to save your body and preserve it during the week, during training camp, things like that. Because when you start actually tackle those big running backs uh, week in and week out, that's when you're going to see that you want to use the in-between time to actually preserve your body for those battles that you have on Sunday. Now we're going to get to Michael in just a second, but I just wanted to follow up on that. Is it a matter, do you think, of Abram wanting to prove something out there as a rookie, or do you think that that's just his nature, that he's just that aggressive? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, anybody coming out of the SEC, obviously it's going to be somebody that is battle-tested when it comes to physicality because that's real football down there, no matter what. 
Um, I do believe also that there is a part of him that wants to prove himself. He's a first-round pick, um, albeit a late first-round pick, but he still wants to prove himself. He wants to show people that, hey, I wasn't overdrafted. Matter of fact, I was a little bit underdrafted. I should have gone a little bit higher than that. And I want to show people that, you know what, I can play for this team. I can be a starter. I can be a viable force in this league. And I think that once he gets to the season, and you start to see how much of a grind that it truly is because you got 16 hard ones. And then if you're lucky, you'll get some more after that in the playoffs. You will soon see that not hitting in practice or not taking down in practice or not being extremely physical in practice is not a sign of weakness. It's just a sign of being smart because in college, yes, you want to show everybody that you're the big man on campus. You want to show everybody that, you know what, you're the big bad dude on the block things like that. Once you get to be a professional, you want to work smarter, not harder. And just because you want to go out there and be he-man in uh, in training camp, yeah, but what if you go out there and you separate your shoulder? And now you're missing half the season simply because you want to go out there and show everybody that you're Mr. Big in practice when, guess what, it's still just practice. You want to make sure that you actually have the number one ability in the NFL, and that is availability from Sunday to Sunday. Now, Michael, we saw Derek Carr host a dinner for a lot. It looked like all of the team was there in Napa. And he was kind of giving Abram that dad look, trying to keep Abram's you know, attitude in check during the dinner. Um, and Abram um, is kind of going at him, making fun of the way they say salmon. <laughs> um, what did you think about that interaction between Derek Carr and Jonathan Abram? Yeah, I think it's always good to see a veteran quarterback interact with his young teammates because, you, as a quarterback, have to leave that locker room and you ideally want to be able to connect with all 52 others in that locker room. Right now, during training camp, it's 89 others. And so we saw, I thought, the interaction there between veteran and rookie was pretty cool. There also was interaction with John Gruden and others, uh, you, know, you know, guys on the team. You get to see how the head coach connects with his players. Sunshine with Jonathan Abram, we're telling them, hey, dial it back. You know, that's not what we're looking for you. And so uh, those are the types of things that are very natural. You know, you don't get a feel that Gruden is saying anything because the cameras are there. You don't get a feel that Derek Carr is saying anything because the cameras are there. It's very organic, which is what hard knocks and what NFL films are trying to accomplish. They're trying to capture these guys in their natural element. Now, was it natural for clear and furl? And Jonathan Abram just to go ride some horses. No, some of that is because Hard Knocks is there, but the interaction there, you still get to see the personalities. You get to see how Jonathan Abram loves horses and you see Cleveland uh, learning as they go. But just some of that teammate dynamic, uh, I thought was something that shined through in this first episode. It seemed like the first episode uh, flew by. And I was curious on one thing, uh, Stan, as a 2005 second round pick, when you hear Gruden said in the very first team meeting, I don't want my rookies to behave. Is that something that you heard as well when you entered the league or was it a different type of treatment back there with the Raiders? Um, back when I was a rookie, that's something that I heard, but I didn't hear from the head coach. We heard that from basically an hour later in the secondary, Charles Woodson. Mm. Um, and it was more so from the standpoint of a lot of times back uh, in certain eras, the rookie hazing would be that a lot of a lot of the time you would just shave the heads of the rookies where they'd be walking around bald, uh, maybe tie them to the goalpost, 
uh, dump them in the ice tubs, things like that. Now, as far as um, I believe it was, yeah, Abram, as far as uh, the the rookie duties of making sure that you have snacks for the veterans, things like that, yes, we had to do that. Um, Charles Woodson did not allow us to get our heads shaved or anything like that, but we basically got hours towards the end of the season whenever you have to do that rookie dinner where you take out all of the veterans. And I remember we went to Ruth Chris over there in the city in San Francisco. <laughs> and and it was myself, Fabian Washington, and Kirk Morrison, our third-round draft pick linebacker. And I remember that bill came out to be about, I believe, 20000 something like that. Um, and mind you, this is just dinner at a steakhouse. That's it. Dinner at a steakhouse, and guys were ordering bottles of wine that came straight from Napa Valley. That I'm talking about, there's maybe three or four bottles of that specific wine flavor in the entire country. Guys are ordering Louis the Thirteenth, oh, things yes. like that. Um, Opus so yeah, one. So, uh, that's something. <laughs> yeah, that was that was something new to me to hear John Gruden say that, like verbatim first day of training camp that I don't want the rookies being hazed. And I think that that's more so along this new age era of, you know, back in Miami, you saw the bullying scandal with a uh, incognito. So I think that that was probably more so John Gruden just not wanting anything to get out of hand. But as far as the rookie having to make sure that they have uh, snacks for the veterans, uh, the rookie at making sure that, that, uh, that the veterans have chicken, for on the planes for away games, away trips, things like that. I think that John Gruden is probably still all for that. He just doesn't want players getting their head shaved, players getting picked on, getting tossed in the ice tub, things like that, because then that takes away a little bit from practice. It takes away from meetings. It takes away just from the exact essence of why training camp was even implemented to begin with, and that's to grow with your teammates, that's to get better, and then ultimately you want to see who are the 53 that you're going to go to war with. So um, that was different for me to hear out of Coach Gruden's mouth, but I think I get exactly the essence of the point he was trying to convey. And when we talk about you know, these personalities that we're seeing develop, I wanted to ask, we never really seen this side of Derek Carr, Michael. Um, he had the sunscreen or the baby oil, <laughs> sunscreen or the baby oil. They're joking around with them there. I think it was Foster Moreau, uh, the rookie tight end, uh, messing around with Derek Carr there on the field. Uh, when you think about that side of it, you're the beat writer. You're out there all the time. You see these guys day in, day out. Uh, have you ever seen this much personality from Derek Carr? Honestly, I think I have. I've seen just the way teammates respond to him, the way they talk about him, and that's part of the reason why there was that report last year about, you know, essentially insinuating pretty strongly play, uh, that Derek Carr had lost the locker room or, you know, some aspect of that. And uh, this was following the game in London where after being hit to the turf, uh, you know, he had a, a facial expression that was mentioned in that article as being as something, you know, not befitting a leader, something along those lines. And I recall tight end Lee Smith in the locker room unprompted. No one asked him for an interview, but he just wanted to speak in the locker room to reporters. And he went off for hundreds of words uh, defending his quarterback. You know, you see that and you see other examples throughout practice and locker room interactions, you know, that is 
you know, the man that the Raiders, you know, are, are following you know, in terms of his lead. And so I wasn't surprised to see, you know, that sort of a relaxed conversation. I think that's kind of the groundwork of, of what's to come. I think this episode really did that. Uh, you know, we saw, uh, you know, a little bit of Derek Carr and his, his family. And I think we're probably going to see more. You know, we saw a little bit of Jonathan Abram, but we didn't, we haven't yet met his wife or, um, you know, with a background story as it relates to, you know, he has a daughter, but there was supposed to be a, a, a twin sister. However, she died during the pregnancy. And there's a lot more some of these characters that we've just been, or supposed the audience has just been introduced on this season episode. The first of five episodes, it seemed again really kind of like the groundwork of what, what we're going to soon see over the next four. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Well, we've already seen that Antonio Brown has an entire crew dedicated, of course, as we would expect, to following him around. Now, we've seen him return to practice. We've seen him run some drills. They keep telling him to hold back. How concerned should we be about Antonio Brown and his feet? Well, I think the fact that you know, yes, he's missed eight of nine practices, but knowing the diagnosis as the Raiders did, they felt comfortable enough with Antonio Brown's condition to put him on the field in pads and have a, you know, albeit only a half practice, but still to have him out there. And we haven't seen much of him since, but everything that I've been told since early going is that it's minor. Now, it's serious enough for him to miss eight of nine practices. And the Raiders have the Rams coming to town. We saw that at the very end of the episode. The Rams are coming to town. I think actually... And we're recording this Tuesday evening. The Rams already have flown up to Napa. They're at their hotel. And on Wednesday and Thursday, they'll be joint practices before our Saturday exhibition. You really, if you're Antonio Brown and you can help it, you want to be on the field for these joint practices. They're so useful. Uh, the tempo, the contact, the different scheme that you're going uh, to face uh, from a mental standpoint. And then just the kind of hitting your own teammates. It gets very uh, monotonous, you know, the day-to-day grind. And so... Uh, for Antonio Brown, if he misses these two practices, uh, I, I think uh, as much as we want to call it a minor injury, uh, this is something that the Raiders hope to avoid, him not being out there for those. And I thought it was interesting to hear the athletic trainer, Atrod Martin, who's been with the organization for a long time. Dan, I'm sure you remember him. Uh, oh, yeah. Martin, uh, yeah. Rod uh, said, you know, it, it, it's a problem we can't really cut. And so it's obviously affecting his route running. He's probably like so many routes on the, on the route tree that he can execute effectively. So there's no sense really in rushing it, but it's a shame because the importance of getting these reps in training camp is something that you can't understate. Now, Stan, on the flip side, you see somebody like Ronald Ali, who was let go, cut, and then replaced by Westbrooks. Um, when you see something like that happen that early in training camp and you see Gruden saying, like, just Get rid of him. We don't want a guy that's not listening to the trainer on the team. Um, what do you think that said about not just Gruden's attitude towards how he's approaching uh, what's happening with the cuts and his roster, but as far as being mentally ready for the NFL? Uh, I didn't really think anything of John Gruden doing that because that's pretty much what every other 31, 31 other coaches in the NFL would do. Uh, that's not something that's unusual. Uh, you will see players get cut the first week of training camp. And oftentimes when a player is cut early in training camp before the first game, it's usually having to do with work ethic, uh, him probably not being professional, 
not being coachable, but it's not anything about, oh, this guy can't play. Because I believe, I, I think it's 80, you can have 89 guys on the roster when camp first opens up, and then they've already pushed back the date of where you've got to go ahead and cut it down to like somewhere in, I think, the 60s or something like that. So they're going to hang on to you throughout the remainder, throughout the majority of training camp, just to go ahead and see if you can play. Now, when it gets to the point where you're uncoachable, you're showing up to meetings late, you're not going to treatment, you're just simply being unprofessional, that's something that they can't even get past. So you know what? We got to get him out of here right now because we already know what he's displaying right now. We already know he's not going to make the team. So I didn't really see anything that was that uh, far-fetched or anything like that because that's what every coach is going to do on every team because you cannot enter training camp already being one of the lower guys on the roster, on the depth chart, and you're over here. First of all, coaches don't like it if you get hurt and you miss practice. If you do, it is what it is. Everybody gets hurt. They don't like it. I'm not saying they don't understand it, but they don't like it. Even when Antonio Brown, they don't like the fact that he's not out there, but he's Antonio Brown. So you know what? They're going to go ahead and wait on him and work with him. But if you're one of the lower guys on the roster in the depth chart and you already are missing practice, and then to add insult to injury, you now are missing treatment. Oh yeah, that's something that they're not going to take, and that's something they're going to get. They're going to get you out of there very quickly. Yeah. So I went to Twitter, guys, and I asked the Raider fans about their reaction to the first episode of Hard Knocks. And I wanted to find out from them, was the episode everything that they hoped it would be? So Bobby Cantwell at Bobby C. Well says that it had the great John Madden talking about the seven man sled. I thought that part of the show was just really wonderful. Michael, you tweeted about how it shows what this library NFL films has and how great it is that they're able to put together something like that. Also, I have a new bucket list item. I really want to get pushed on a, a tackle sled like that. But what <laughs> did you guys think about that part? And like for you, Stan, what is it? What does it show about the culture of the Raiders? The one thing that I learned when, as soon as I got to Oakland is that Oakland has a very rich history. Um, you have so many Hall of Fame players that have come through wearing the black and silver. Obviously, we all know that it's led by the late, great Al Davis. Um, I think that a lot of people forget exactly truly how historic the Raiders are. Up until back when I first got drafted by the Raiders back in 2005, the Raiders were the winningest team in NFL history. Now, obviously, that's taken a dip over the last, uh, uh, over the last some odd years because of a lot of the losing seasons. But whenever you see the uh, the John Maddens. Whenever back when I was playing, the Jim Parkins would come around, and uh, the Mel Blunt, and obviously the uh, the late Cliff Branch. Those guys would always be around. You see and you remember exactly the rich tradition that the Raiders have, and you see a lot of the great years in the seventies with the Howie Long, the Marcus Allen, uh, so many uh, Willie Brown. You know, too many names that I've even kind of somewhat with my mind because it's just so many to actually list. That's just something that uh, gives you a nostalgic feeling. And uh, a lot of the Raiders' success was even before I was born. Part of it was when uh, when I was, you know, maybe eight, nine, ten years old. But it's something that you don't forget. And the moment that you see it, it kind of rejogs your memory. So I thought that was great because, you know, I've always thought the world of John Madden. And even to this day, I don't even play video games like I used to, but I still <laughs> always buy 
you know, Madden 2017, Madden 2018, Madden 2019, just because it's just a tradition for me in my world. I'm right there with you. I have every single one as well. We will have to get online and play some time. But Michael, if I could, um, I'd like to wrap up here with your final thoughts on the episode and what you thought it brought as far as just the general overview of this team as we head into this season. I think Josh Jacobs probably set hard knock history. He became, I would think, the first rookie first round pick who did not appear my knowledge at all in the first episode for a guy yeah. who was contract uh-huh. hold out. I mean, the guy who was at practice, he was at every meeting and we didn't see him at all, which is a testament to the, you know, what they showed, you know, there's two other draft picks. We saw them right horses together in terms of first round choices. <laughs> uh, we saw some of the history, Cliff Branch, the tribute there. I think that was the week I did. It was certainly appropriate after the Raiders lost, you know, their legendary wide receiver, uh, but that was a bit odd to me. And if you're in a film, maybe you don't force it. But it was like halfway through the episode, I'm thinking, okay, all right. I see Jonathan Abram. I see Cleveland Furl. Where's Josh Jacobs? And then three quarters of the episode, and then the episode flies by, and all of a sudden it's gone. I'm like, wow, first round pick, number 24 overall choice, and a starting running back, someone who's had a sensational camp, and yet uh, on this show, uh, you know, MIA. So obviously, we're going to see plenty of Josh Jacobs uh, as the season goes on. Like Again, we have four more episodes, but I thought that was notable, uh, certainly noticeable that no Jacobs here, episode one. I actually think that's a very astute analysis there. <laughs> Great observation. Um, guys, that is all the time we have for this episode here of the Vegas Nation Special Edition HBO Hard Knocks Podcast. Dan, I love having you on. Thank you. We'll have to have you back on again as we continue doing these podcasts here. Every time you see HBO Hard Knocks, you'll know that we will have a podcast right after it happens. Again, we are brought to you by STN Sports Mobile by Stations Casino, and you can find this podcast online at reviewjournal.com slash podcast vegasnation.com anywhere that you find your podcast and of course download that vegas nation app to keep up to date with all things raiders and we'll be back soon talking about more from training camp as the raiders are heading into joint practices against the rams these are going to be some fun couple days coming up here from Napa and we will be on the ground bringing you everything as always. So for Michael Gelkin, you can find him on Twitter at Gelkin NFL. For Stan Route at S Route, that's with two T's 26 and give me a follow at Heidi Fang. Thanks everybody for listening. Listening.